Greetings program, hello and welcome to Tronologically Speaking, a movie-by-minute podcast talking about Disney's 1982 movie Tron. This is Minute 80. I am your host, Duncan Shields, and returning with me today is my sparkling, effervescent, and delightful guest co-host, Dave Brown. Welcome, Dave. Hi, Duncan. Hello, Dave. Welcome back. <laughs> that was fun talking about that last one here. And we get some more, uh, as you were saying, some more understated, <laughs> some more incredibly subtle uh, subtle acting here from uh, the master of his craft, David Warner. Uh, so let's see what happens in this minute. Uh, Sark flares red and delivers amazing lines. Uh, Dumont is forcibly removed from the cell and put with the other quote-unquote religious fanatics. Uh, Flynn and Yori get the news that the ship is very soon going to be derezzed along with everyone on board. And I don't want to blow your mind, but we find out that Tron is alive. Tron is alive? <laughs> There you go. That's very Brian Blessed. Drawn is alive. For the 14th time in the film, a dead For person. For the 14th isn't time, dead. <laughs> a person is not dead. Yeah, I don't think uh, it's something that maybe the programs don't realize that unless you're actually de rezzed, you are immortal. <laughs> a, fall, a fall from any height, uh, unless you're hit with an identity disc or shot by the MCP, nothing bad will happen to you. That's something that's. Uh, advantageous to being in the grid so we, we start the minute by having sark furiously hiss whisper you're nothing <laughs> at flynn as uh only david warner can do it's cool because he comes across as kind of threatening and weak all at the same time <laughs> it's like it's not much of a burn when he's like you're nothing you know it's it's uh it's like you're just a big stupid head you know like there's nothing there's something not it doesn't have the impact that it should. He has yeah. this like cool, de- you know, he's got this cool demeanor, but he keeps having these tantrums that betray the fact that he's like way out of his depth. This whole sequence of events is just like, no, he's not having a good time. Yeah, it's like last minute when we were talking about him being a middle manager. That's like yeah, his level of, I'll take your stapler away. <laughs> yeah, it's not... Yeah, exactly. He's not. He's uh. He's he keeps trying to sort of swing his power around, but it's not. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's not effective. You know, with these t- t- tables, things. These people. He keeps getting the tables turned on him. So, it's like, yeah, it's good. It's it also. This is an interesting shot when he when he hiss whispers this because it's just black behind him. It's one of the few shots in the film. Uh, where a character is there and there isn't some trippy neon uh, triangles or, or circles or something going on behind him. It's just black. It's just yeah, him yeah. in black and white against a black background, which is, I it's don't know a if cool they, maybe shot. They... I like it. It's, um, it's, it's really, like a really yeah. good desktop. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would be wonderful. Just his face uh, on the bottom of your screen with all your shortcuts around it. Yeah. I think yeah. that's going to happen soon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get a new computer soon, so uh, this will be it. Uh, that'll be the new background, I think, for a bit. And then it'll go back to just being pictures of my, my daughter or something like uh, that. Yes, this is one of uh, the... I think you've got the screenshot on the, the text that I'm looking at. And it's one of the oh, few yeah. times in the film I think the costume actually looks really nice. Yeah, it's there's got kind a of lot of people... sagginess around his face, but there's so much going on in his face. There's other times yeah. where everything looks quite ropey, but 
Yeah, it's, quite and quite uh, maybe even a little bit silly, you know. Yeah. But this, uh, it really comes across here because it's got that kind of uh, almost samurai. He's got yeah, that medallion yeah. on the on the forehead, and then the pure Mobius. It's just pure Mobius. That's what uh, this all Mobius design here. The big wings on the side. It's kind of like Kirby as well, a little bit Kirby-ish. It's a great, yeah, it's a great weird, design. Yeah, this little geometric shapes. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if maybe they just didn't have the time or the inclination to add any lines or shape behind them here, or maybe because it's the prison, it's just kind of austere you know maybe this i don't know but you really get a sense of what it was like to film under these conditions when you see a stripped down shot like this like how plain and alien it must have been <laughs> like shooting against a green screen or a blue screen is at least uh bright you know at least you've mm. got col color in your eyes uh which is its own kind of disorienting and you still have to use your imagination when they're like okay a monster is coming at you and you're scared for your life no, from your left, you know, like, like oh yeah, right, sorry, but uh, but shooting in total blackness, you know, like you're wearing these white suits and you're shooting in total blackness. Yeah, that must be that must be its own kind of uh, <laughs> own kind of disorienting. And yeah, you can was, sort of see it in this shot. There was another bit. I th I'm not sure if it's just after this or a little bit before, but Tron's got the disc. I think it must be after this. He throws it. And it seems very obvious that he's standing in a room and then when the disc comes back, someone runs over with a torch and just shines it in his face. There's oh, just okay. this round bit on his collar and the side of his face that get picked up. Yeah. So That was all, yeah, because that, all, that, all that was hand done. All the sort of, uh, whenever you see light on a person, uh -huh. like when something something's glowing and it's uh the glow is on the person that was all sort of that was all hand done by like disney animators so it's not like uh nobody was actually shining lights on anybody because they needed it to just be very stark and very plain oh okay and I, so any sort of reflection that's why the scene before this where they're the energy surge is like choking the nose of the solar sailor mm -hmm. and Flynn puts his hand into it. That sort of brilliant shuddering flickering ball of energy was one of the most complicated shots in the film because it's giving off all these shadows that have to illuminate and shade not only the characters, but also the CG elements. Um, and it was all, all done by, by hand. So. Oh, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of, lots of, Lots, so much work went into every shot. Like they talk about how, like the cinematographer talks technically about how you had to, like they, they had to build the equipment. They had to build this pipeline to make mm -hmm. this movie because it, it didn't exist. Like they wanted to shoot it in VistaVision, but they would, uh, sorry, they'd shoot and they wanted to, if I understand this correctly, they wanted to project it in VistaVision. So they shot it in 65 millimeter and then they would blow up, uh, each frame of the movie to this huge high resolution, like, I don't know, three foot by two foot um, panel, the cell. And then they would have the actors and then all their cutouts and all their passes. And then they'd have another, another cell with like the painted background. And then they would put those together for each shot and take a picture. But then over on the CG side, they would have to render it out at that kind of high resolution and then put it up on a really high resolution monitor and then just take a photograph of that. <laughs> so you've got almost, so you've got these kind of 
two different uh, like negatives, for lack of a better word, of like the the composited uh, animated actors and backgrounds, and then you've got just the photographs of the CG, and then you got to put that together into your like seventy millimeter print into your into your thirty five millimeter print. So every time you want to remaster it, it's a unique pipeline that they've developed that hasn't been done before or since, right? So it's this yeah, yeah. it's this beast. And then they had to like like they've all got the number of frames that the movie actually was burned into their heads. <laughs> they're like, you know, whenever they refer to it, they're like, yeah, it's eight hundred and seventy nine thousand three hundred and eighty two. Like they they've got it all just like <laughs> Like they've they've still remember the exact number of frames because they had to like ship it and organize it and make sure it was in order and send it all to Taiwan and bring it all back and paint each one and and any time because they the faces weren't working they wanted the faces they wanted the 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 skin and the faces to be the same tone uh-huh. right and but it wasn't uh, it really it wasn't working with the way they were shooting so they're like okay we're gonna have to cut out the faces and cut out the hands. <laughs> And put them on their own layer. It's like, okay, well, we're going to have to do that 879,233 <laughs> times, times three for each frame, for each character. And you're like, yep. yep. <laughs> okay, well, you know, but they were so dedicated to like making it high quality and not skimping and not settling that, uh, that they just decided to, to go for it. But geez. The effort that went into this movie—that's what makes it such a unique creature. Is uh, the more research I do on it, the more I'm like, "You guys were out of your mind. You guys were out <laughs> of your mind." And okay. I'm sure they all wanted to, you know. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, so yeah, so Flynn sees right through Sark's. You're nothing, and he only smiles. He's totally not threatened. He's in the depths of his own self-pity and sadness, uh, as well, though. So. It's not like he's being triumphant and smug. It's more just like none of this matters anymore. You know, go ahead, tell me I'm nothing. Dumont and Yori just did. Heck, I'm doing it to myself in the mirror. You know, join right in. Like that, or at least that was my take. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I I think this whole bit um, where he's sheepishness is how I would describe it. Um, mm. Just continues from his friends been essentially quite mean to him. Yeah. Why didn't you fix everything up? Well, it's not really my job. I'm with lost Straw <laughs> and I'm just kind of, I'm just over here looking. I hope you guys yeah. are okay. Oh no, the bad guy's here now. Oh God, this is, this is terrible. And uh, yeah, just, it looks a bit weird. I don't, I'm not quite sure what Jeff Bridges was going for. It's interesting though. I like, I sort of like it. It shows his, his range or whatever. He is quite sad here. You feel it. You really feel it. <laughs> it's like most of his scenes in the film. He's uh, he really he really really comes across. Really comes off the screen with his line deliveries. And, and speaking of which, we get one of the <laughs> best line deliveries in the whole movie. Here, this is the line that Cindy Morgan. Uh, she said it really made it easy for her to react and be afraid. Like she talks <laughs> in interviews about how she was like, I don't know. You know, she didn't know what she was saying. She didn't understand being in the white suit in the black background. And but when this scene here was when she had no trouble getting it, you know, because uh, it was like a hard to get a handle. Like because the the white leotards had these circuit board designs literally drawn on them in sharpie, you know, <laughs> like and uh, 
1982, nobody understood what like mainframes or, or you know, lasers or guess or whatever, whatever they were supposed to say. And so they were all giving 100% to a situation that none of, none of them truly understood. But she mentions that in this particular scene here, when David Warner looks at them, snaps his arm out towards them and ramps it up to 11 and says, take that program to the holding pit. <laughs> uh, she actually experienced like visceral fear. Like she forgot to <laughs> act in that moment and was just actually scared of David Warner. <laughs> and I like, you know, little moments like that helped her exist in the, in the universe that she talks about. But I just love that. Because as, uh, as he as he shouts the line, his entire body just lights up like a Christmas tree. It just goes Nova, <laughs> you know, in this like red light of rage. It's such a good effect. It was like a human mood ring or something like that. I suppose <laughs> it's the same when like when we blush or we go red with rage or whatever. I guess it's kind of yeah similar, be but it's really bad at poker. It'd be awful at poker. <laughs> yeah. It's just, oh oh yeah. I fold. I fold. Why are you folding, dude? You're like a lighthouse over there. You've got good cards. Yeah, but I've got my uh... sunglasses on. You can't see my eyes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If your tell is that your whole body glows. And, uh, yeah. You're playing poker in a sleeping bag? Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's also just a great example of him committing fully to like a, a bonkers line. Like that. <laughs> take that program to the holding Hold pit. Is so... Uh, so like what 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 does this mean it's like oh i don't know well just really <laughs> shout it and be mean about it and that's david warner he can do it there's a bunch of uh like he was like that in time bandits too he's been in a few very fantastical films that he's got no problem just going sure okay <laughs> let's do it you know we get a wider shot of a still pointing sark and guard framed by yorian dumont in an embrace and flynn over on the other side uh, now, I mean, like what I said before with Cindy Morgan talks about this scene being scary, uh, but honestly, she's kind of got like zero reaction here. I don't, I, it's kind of too bad. I know she felt the fear, but the way this scene is shot, I'm not really seeing any reaction from her. She's just kind of still staring. And But we can see in this full body shot that Yori's wearing sort of a high heel sneaker kind of thing with those big uh, shin pads on sort of elevator shoe she's taller than uh than bernard hughes here but i'm not sure how much of that is the is the shoe so the guard moves toward them with his rainbow staff and they look at him as he gets closer it cuts to a close-up of the two of them and and they're gazing up at him as he draws near but it's weird i think there's like an eyeline mishap here i think because they seem they look up and up and up and up and up and up <laughs> and it's like they're looking at somebody who's like three meters tall or like 11 feet tall or something or maybe they're just looking at the tip of his uh of his cattle prod <laughs> spear thing i don't know oh i never noticed keep... that yeah i have to watch that okay. that one shot because they, they're watching him uh you know approach but then their eyes just keep going up 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 and i'm like what are you guys looking at exactly this guy's <laughs> you know uh, the guard uses the insinuation of the stick to separate and conduct Dumont over to the door of the prison. We can see three torture triangles here and the edge of one more. So if they're equidistant, then I'm assuming from this angle that there's like six torture triangles in this cell. So you could technically have six prisoners up on your uh, on your torture triangles for questioning. Yori makes a last-ditch attempt to save Dumont, saying, please don't take him, before getting pushed down to the ground. 
Um, it would have been sweet to see some of that sweet orange silhouette animation again from like earlier when uh, when when Flynn gets zapped when he first arrives. There's that awesome like stuttering after image of orange shapes when he gets hit with the rainbow stick at the in the beginning of the film. But I think they were probably just out of time <laughs> for that for that sort of thing. It's like, can we have this super detailed? No, uh, oh. it's just no for one shot. Forget it. Nope, it comes out next week. <laughs> you know, no. Uh, Flynn, uh, who's a little incensed by Yori's fall, also rushes the guard but has the same results. He's also pushed to the ground beside her with a flash of red and a sound effect of the staff contacting, but we don't get any uh, sweet, sweet animation, just a flash of light, you know, which is fine. The time demands they were under. I'm not trying to criticize. (laughs) I wish there was more complicated effects in this shot. But one thing that's kind of cool is that both Yori and uh, and Flynn, both their glows uh, subside. When they hit the ground, their uh, their glows go way down. So they've been like struck and kind of had some energy sucked out of them by the by the by the by the I don't know a staff. I keep calling it a rainbow yeah. staff or a cattle prod. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cattle what's proddy. A, yeah. What's a, a punji stick? I remember hearing that. Oh no, they're a, they're a, a booby trapped stake that you put in the ground. It's a whole different thing. Nice little yeah. That's, so that's what a punji stick is, you, uh, <laughs> listeners. In case you were wondering, uh, this is one of those moments where an opportunity exists. I don't. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But uh, I guess I kind of wanted to see Yori do something more here. Like I figure since she has so much knowledge and power in the real world. She could sort of backdoor this this prison and do something to get them out of this jam rather than just kind of rush the guard. I'm feeling the absence of her real-world counterpart in this scene a little bit more than usual. Uh, maybe this just isn't that kind of scene, though. It's uh, my, my, my screenwriter friend Sam, who was on a few minutes ago, he would say that every movie needs a kick-the-dog scene. You oh, know, yeah. you, need a, you need a scene where the bad guy kicks a dog so you know that he's the bad <laughs> he's guy. He's the bad guy, okay. Yeah. Or, I think uh, he's you, pretty you know, well established as the bad guy. <laughs> yeah, I guess this deep in the film. Oh, he's the villain. Oh, he's oh, the villain. Right, 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 right. What? Yeah, so he's a jerk and he delivers bad news and pushes two characters down <laughs> and takes the old man to the holding pit. So I just want to see... I, and he's red. But I did want to see somebody hack the like hack the grid. You know, yeah. like I wanted to see somebody who could uh, sort of just like go Neo, you know, and see the ones and zeros or could like, you know, freeze, crash, augment or reprogram people. I guess we sort of get that with Flynn when he turns himself blue, when he knocks out the red program and absorbs the power to become, uh, sorry, become red when he becomes red for a while. That's kind of like being uh program reprogrammed but it's accidental he's like what's going on (laughs) you know but it would cool to see somebody in there who knows how to backdoor all the vehicles and uh can like just materialize weaponry like good side or bad side i just wanted to see that sort of borderline magic user kind of he does one earlier on but it's accidental as well when he gets the um the ship going again yeah the uh yeah the recognizer when he makes it blue and gets that into the air that's kind of like yeah because i think it's yeah because ram says you shouldn't be able to do that do that yeah yeah that's not (coughs) 
that's not what they, that's not how these things work so yeah i guess there is that yeah but again it's it's he's, he's kind of mystified by it it's not like an on purpose no that's yeah. kind of what i was uh, hoping for in legacy too right was that flynn would be uh uh you know some kind of demigod you know that he would just have all these programming powers that he could like corrupt people or or that is his bike you know his custom bike would be able to sprout wings or something something really <laughs> something just you know i maybe in the next movie if we get to see uh killian murphy in the sequel as the son of sark because he's like a programming genius in legacy so maybe he can he can have a bunch of magic powers or something like that i don't know i don't know we'll, we'll see but i i missed that in both movies and then Sark says, uh, I'm taking our friend here and some other religious fanatics to, to master control. He really rolls that, uh, rolls that R there. Religious fanatics. When I disembark, the ship and everything that remains on board will automatically derez. This means you. And uh, all hail David Warner. This is 100% silliness, but he imbues it with sensitivity, <laughs> malice, warning makes it sound dire and it's also like high camp as well but it's like uh it's just really well done and a classic uh, villain error a classic villain error that's right that's right there is a just kill them when you've got that's right an hour and a half from now you will be dead as this ship slowly (laughs) derezzes and no one is monitoring you (laughs) <laughs> exactly this is this is classic villain blunder he uh he sort of leaves the room with those high flanged sounding footsteps as flynn cradles yori on the ground of the cell you know that sort of clip clop sort of clippy clippy clops out of the room there with those tippy tap shoes uh and then we cut to sark's carrier flying past the camera in an exterior shot we see one of the big heavy guards Stab the ground or stab the ground with his staff and say, "Move out downwards to another tortured triangle room." But this time the triangles are blue, and we can see twelve programs in swim caps, chin straps, and robes like Dumont milling about. And then they walk slowly towards the door of the uh, door of the prison. And something I didn't realize until I saw the movie this time around in this kind of detail is that that's just the same room with different colored walls. Sneaky. Did you notice that? Did you no, notice no, that? No, I did not. No, they're just blue triangles. They're not yellow triangles. It's a whole different. It's, it's, uh, it's the same room. Uh, which I guess that's like Cube. Remember Cube? Reminds yeah, the first one. Cube. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, the first one was great. The sequels were, or whatever. There's... I think that's still one of the. There's a two. Yeah, there's a prequel and a sequel, right? Yeah, I think. Like so. how? Yeah. There's like there's a how cube came to be and there's like a a, a cube two, the cubing or whatever. <laughs> cube two is quite bad, but there's a really lovely shot at the end um, when they're oh, okay. standing in some water. It's just yeah. like a nice reflection across the. I have to the ground, that but, up. Yeah, yeah. Just fast think forward that's... to the end. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's still one of the most profitable movies that were ever made. Maybe I don't know. Oh, the first one. I think, yeah, the first one. It yeah. made around nine million. I think it made around nine million on a budget of three hundred and fifty thousand. So, yeah, that's pretty decent. That's not bad at all. It's not. It's not Blair Witch Project, but it's. Uh, but it's up there. No. Those uh, low budget horror movies and low budget sci fi films, they can, uh, if they hit it big, it's a huge return on investment. I read that. Uh, 
what do you call it? Uh, Bloomhouse, the Bloomhouse horror film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, company. J- Jason they make. Bloom. Yeah, Jason Bloom. They make as much money as Marvel, uh, because like Marvel will make like a five hundred million dollar film, but uh-huh. they'll spend three hundred and fifty million dollars on advertising. But Bloomhouse, you know, they have budgets of like two million, five million dollars, and they're not using a listers, so the 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 profit margin is a lot higher one of the one of the most uh profitable films ever was uh deep throat in 1972 <laughs> so that had a uh, that had a budget of 25,000 and a box office of 22 and a half million in 1972 without much advertising so okay anyway back to the back to the minute we got a shot of sark's cruiser uh wailing its way through what looks like a petrified forest and here we have some very very disney music this is one of the few sort of extremely disney music cues you get this flourish of harp and uh some wind instruments playing like a you got a two note traveling music kind of a thing uh we zoom in closer on the side of the ship cutting in and on one of the cracks we see movement can it be? Oh my gosh, it's Tron. He's alive. We cut in close to his stern face looking down from his hiding place in the ship and we get a shot of the ground going by uh, to close the uh, to close the minute. I'm not sure I buy his survival here, but more importantly, I don't understand his survival here. <laughs> He just seems to have been magically transported to a crack in Sark's ship. Yeah, he's like, also uh, not standing on anything. Yeah, just I'm like, in a just big like, black void. You're magnetized to the out. side of the wall. Rip. Hello. Oh, hey guys. Did you? Did someone say Tron? <laughs> <laughs> it's good that he's alive, but I don't. I don't understand this sequence of events. I don't understand how anybody is alive after the ship got, after the solar sailor got destroyed, but I especially don't understand where Tron leapt to and, and what happened. And because everybody seems to be wearing shoes made of porcelain and everything in the world (laughs) seems to be made of porcelain. I'm like, you can't climb anything. You can't cling to anything. You're just going to like slip over, oh, over yeah, everything yeah. right you know like the, i don't i don't understand how friction works in this uh in this universe <laughs> well in that the way that the, he's kind of coming out from inside the ship so you don't know he could have been running about on the floor there and yeah it's just found a who knows? crack who knows he died he uh he figured something out that's for sure the guy's unkillable uh, and if we go through like the differences between the screenplay and the novel, uh, in the novel it's pretty much the same, except that Sark says that the MCP is going to assimilate the Guardian programs like Dumont, and that Sark is going to use a transport beam to get back to the grid, not the carrier. So I guess that uh, sort of laying out why the why the ship's being derezzed. And also, this is something that I'm glad they cut, but he laughs his head off as he's leaving the cell. He gives a good villainous <laughs> as he as he leaves the cell, which is uh, a little mustache twisty and cardboard <laughs> villainous. But I mean, it would uh, in keeping with the rest of the the panto pantomime stuff that's going on. So, and there's no shot in the novel of Tron peeking out from a crack in the ship. So, Tron just kind of shows up later, and I think they wanted to add some shots of like we should show Tron. Not and not dead. just have him like 
surprise, you know, and I'll just have him show up. <laughs> uh, uh, but in, in retrospect, script. it might be better if he had just shown up. Yeah. And you take yeah. a lot of the questions away. Yeah, yeah, that's true. If we just had him like, spadoink, you forgot about me. That would be uh, that'd be a good, a good reveal. Because then it might be like, well, there's no time for wondering. The fight is on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? Uh, the screenplay is uh, it's pretty much the same. Sark's um, more forthcoming about the reasons why he's leaving the ship, and there's no insert uh, shot of Tron until a little later. But I think that takes us up to the end of minute 80. What do you think? You got anything more for a minute 80? Um, do you know if uh, Jeff Bridges had started doing his on-set photography at this point in his career, or is that a later thing? I don't know, because there is a lot of black-and-white photographs of behind-the-scenes. Some of them have Jeff Bridges in them, uh, but I think he did take a few pictures um, back here. I'm not sure if it was in, like, full swing, because now it's, like, a thing, right? Like, now he's got, like, yeah, books yeah, out yeah. and stuff yeah. like that, right? So, But I think in some of his um, his books... He's got some shots, some behind-the-scenes shots of Tron. Uh, something to something to look up. Yeah, I was going to, because he's got such a history of it now, I was thinking, just uh, maybe should check out and see if he'd got any, see everyone just running about in their weird puffy costumes. <laughs> glorious black and white. And... Their feet up in one of those director's chairs having a <laughs> cup of tea or something in their, in their full start costumes. There's, shot, there's some cool shots of the cast in those costumes, playing the arcade cabinet video games that they had on oh, set yeah. oh, that's cool. in 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 between takes because they uh and that was one thing jeff bridges got really really good at the games that they had uh on the side there so they'd be like okay we're ready for you and he's like just a second <laughs> you know i'm going for the high score you know so it's kind of recursive you know little yeah. meta all right well it takes us up to the end of uh minute 80 if you want to uh Get in touch with us. Check out more at tronologicallyspeaking.com. Drop us a line on Twitter at tronologicallyspeaking. Send us an email at tronologicallyspeaking at gmail.com or join us on Facebook at the Tronologically Speaking minute-by-minute listeners page. Uh, go over to Pond5 if you want to get some, buy some royalty-free music for whatever your needs are. Special thanks to the Star Wars Minute that started it all. You can find them and others, many, many others, over 150, I think, at this point, over at moviesbyminutes.com. And uh, go over there and see if your favorite classic movie is there. It probably is. But if it isn't, like Tron wasn't, much to my astonishment, then uh, consider firing up one of these yourself. There's a very good crew of people over there ready to answer your questions and and uh, get you started on the road to doing one of these mammoth projects. Do you want to try a little uh, end of line on three there? <laughs> yeah, it went try so well again. last time. Yeah. <laughs> one... Two, three, and of life. life.